to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, during the last several days, uh, I have been thinking about the person who won the $1.28 billion lottery jackpot. Uh, although, you know, after taxes, it's only $433.7 million, so it's really not that much. Uh, uh, but I had three thoughts. The first uh, thought that came to my mind is that uh, though I did not buy one, I'm really glad the winning ticket was not sold at a convenience store in Columbia, Maryland, where I buy my milk, uh, because that would have hurt somehow. And, uh, and the second thought I had was to wonder, you know, how that money was going to change that winner's life, you know, what they were going to do with uh, the winnings, how they were going to spend their time as uh, a result of it in the face of uh, what I know will be enormous uh, spiritual challenges and temptations uh, related to winning a fortune such as that, which uh, frankly has wrecked the lives of a lot of lottery winners over the years, if the truth be known. And so uh, my third thought was, believe it or not, I'm glad I'm not that person. But I sure would like to be their pastor. I could help. <laughs> anyway, at first glance, uh, today's passage from the Gospel of Luke seems uh, very disconnected, very disjointed uh, to me. As Jesus talks to his disciples, uh, not only about what they believe, but about uh, how they actually live their lives. And he first says to them, uh, don't be afraid, little flock, because God has given you the kingdom uh, which is obviously uh, very uh, good news and worth more than any worldly fortune. And then he tells them uh, to sell their possessions and to give alms, which are offerings uh, for the poor, among other things. After which then he gives them these uh, two short little parables uh, about what it means to live in a state of readiness uh, for God to show up in your life at a moment that you may not uh, expect and uh, what it means for that to happen, the first of which uh, speaks to the blessings that come to people who are ready, the second of which hints at judgment on those who aren't, uh, whether you take that as a sign of Jesus' second coming, as the text does, or you think of it in terms of the end of your life, or maybe in the context of just any moment of any day as you ponder uh, what it means for you to be spiritually ready for the, the hard times, as well as the good times that come your way. And so if I had to combine these you know, disconnected, disjointed thoughts into one coherent idea, uh, it would be to say to you that uh, today's passage from the Gospel of Luke is about uh, how you spend your money and how you use your time in response to the grace of God. And what it means to order your values and commitments and priorities in a way that reflects your relationship with him and also keeps you in a state of readiness for whatever happens to come your way or mine, whether I'm as poor as the disciples were or I'm as, I'm as rich as a billion dollar lottery jackpot winner. Uh, those of you who are long timers here at uh, St. Andrew have heard me say uh, numerous times over the years that the story of your life is written in two books. One is your checkbook and one is your pocket calendar. Today I would have to say it's on your online banking statement and your cell phone, but the point is the same. Uh, that you tell me you know, how you spend your money, you show me how you spend your time, and I will tell you what's important to you. I will tell you what matters to you, 
what's really uh, in your heart. And uh, if you checked my records along those lines, I think uh, you would probably say to yourself, you know, oh, this guy's house is really important to him. Spends a lot of money on it. Years gone by, you might have said, you know, wow, his children's teeth are important to them. You know, all the braces or their education was important uh, to them. And hopefully you would also say, wow, God is important uh, to them. And uh, the work of Christ is important. The mission of God's church is important to them. Uh, I still think uh, in the context of all this about a former member of the staff of St. Andrew who years ago uh, went to see a financial advisor one day and uh, reported the amount that uh, she gave as a tithe or offering to the work of our church. And the poor guy didn't even know what the word was. And he looked at it and he said, hey, I don't know what a tithe is, but you're spending way too much money on it. (laughs) And so she had to explain in her own way that where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, at least according to Jesus. And I learned that lesson in a very, very big way uh, when we were building this house of worship back in the mid uh, 2000s. And we had a guy among us who uh, tithed the proceeds of the sale of his house for the building of this house. And another one who sold a car that he had and gave it all. And a couple who canceled uh, a European vacation that they had planned and, and added the cost of that to their uh, commitment. And a woman, you know, I'll never forget, who brought in her jewelry one day laid it out on the conference room table, along with two other people that I know of who uh, received an inheritance and just turned it over, including one guy uh, who didn't even own a car by his choice. He walked to church, he took the metro uh, to work, wore the same sport coat every Sunday, and he gave $300,000 for the building of this house, for a place, for a ministry in which love flows and relationships are healed and forgiveness is given and hope and comfort are very real and service is rendered in the name of Jesus by people who praise the living God and they work together for the greatest cause this world is ever gonna know and stuff like that doesn't just happen unless Jesus is your treasure, unless he's weighed down deep inside your heart. And I got to be a pastoral witness to the difference that really makes and and the power that you see when that is actually true, that wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will also be. Now, with respect to the ways uh, you use your time and what it really means to be uh, ready Uh, to live your life for the glory of God. I also think about the building of this uh, house of worship in the mid-2000s and uh, about the day when we were planning to lay the cornerstone out in the uh, front entrance there on Reformation Sunday at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, going into that, we learned that, you know, for a number of reasons, uh, you know, the the schedule was slipping and we were getting behind. And so we had a meeting one day in uh, one of the unfinished classrooms over in the Ed Wing we were all sitting on these five-gallon uh, buckets of paint, using them as our chairs, and fortunately they were closed. Uh, 
But the contractor looked at me and he said, hey, I hate to tell you this, uh, we are not going to be ready for Reformation Sunday. And I looked at him and I said, get ready. Uh, because we've got a congregation showing up here at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Reformation Sunday to lay the cor cornerstone. And so uh, they did, and we did. Uh, not just because I'm a blowhard, uh, which of course I am, uh, but because the call to get ready does create some energy. It does create some action. It does cause us to rethink how the time will go, how it should go, how we will use the time that we have at our disposal. When our uh, first child was born, uh, my mentor and uh, colleague, uh, Roy Mack, who some of you met recently, uh, said to me, you know, uh, when our kids were little, I uh, always said that even though I wasn't going to be able to spend as much time with them as other dads spent with their kids because of my schedule as a pastor, uh, that I would make sure that my time with them would always be quality time. He said, my advice to you is just spend time with them and let them tell you whether or not it was quality time. You know, in the teaching of Jesus, the image of time and how we use it and what it really means to be ready for the presence of God uh, lies in the image of this wealthy man who returns to his home after uh, a wedding celebration late at night and he finds uh, the servants of the house are, are ready for him. They are, uh, in the words of the text, dressed for action. Uh, because in the wardrobe of the first uh, century, they wore these tunics uh, that they would then, you know, tie up at the waist uh, so that they, they would not get in the way. They would enable their work. They would facilitate their movement. They would uh, even make it possible for them to run without getting uh, tripped up uh, along the way because one of their jobs was to keep uh, the oil lamps throughout the house burning through the various watches of the night. And the way to do that was to replenish the fuel and also keep the wicks uh, trimmed, and that, that was their job. And then uh, the other little parable, as I, I mentioned, has to do with the owner of the house, you know, keeping watch uh, so that the thief does not break in and steal in an hour that is not expected, and, and so no one would go missing. And the, and the disciples, the people Jesus was talking to, I mean, they just tracked with, you know, all of those things. But the most important thing he says, of course, is the thing that he says at the very beginning of this seemingly disjointed pas passage when he makes it clear that it all begins with the grace of a father who through his son gives us a place in the kingdom as children of God. It begins with something that no amount of money in this world could ever buy, no amount of work could ever earn but that was purchased and it was paid for by the blood of the lamb at the cross of Jesus. And that our values and our commitments and our priorities, in other words, the way I use my money, the way I spend my time, the way I live my life, is response to grace. It is my way of thanking the one and giving to the glory of the one who has first given to me and first uh, loved me as, as a way of worshiping and honoring him and also as a demonstration, a witness to the world 
in a culture that is more than willing to trip you up and to tempt you and all you have to go farther and farther away from God. And so Jesus says, sell your possessions. Now, notice, he doesn't say sell all your possessions, but he is telling us, I don't want you to live only for yourself, but for something and someone beyond you. Because if you live only for yourself, well, that's not your identity. And worse than that, it's not going to feed your soul when all your stuff is gone. And it's going to be gone sooner or later for all of us. He's telling us to use our time that keeps us in a state of readiness for the Son of Man so that we will be those servants who are richly blessed when he comes, whenever that is. And he sits down and he feeds our souls forever. And, and so, you know, if these words of Jesus get you thinking about maybe some adjustments that you might have to make in your life to your values, your commitments, your priorities, the way you actually live your life so that it can be a, a reflection of God's grace in your life, then to God be the glory and good for you when you live like the child of God who you really are and see the difference that makes in your life and in your witness to the world. You know, so when I read uh, passages like uh, this and try to make sense out of it, when I hear stories about what it means to be ready for God to make his entrance in our uh, lives, I, I think and recalled again another member of this congregation. His name was Frank Gorski, and uh, maybe some of you might remember him. Uh, he was a very quiet guy kept a very low profile, very faithful man, came to worship every single Sunday, still can see where he sat uh, at the church uh, back in uh, Georgia Avenue. And uh, uh, he died of cancer uh, back in the early 2000s when he was just in his early 50s. Uh, but one day after our services, I got a message uh, that Frank was in Holy Cross Hospital and he wanted to see me. And so I went down there. I found him sitting up in his bed, just had uh, lunch, looking pretty good and talking to me, basically like I'm talking to you uh, right now. And yet curiously, uh, he said to me, um, I wanted to see you because I, I think, you know, my time's getting short here. And I think it's gonna be uh, tonight or maybe tomorrow. And I thought to myself, oh, well, you know, maybe his time is getting short, but based on what I was saying, you know, it certainly wasn't gonna be tonight or tomorrow. Uh, at any rate, uh, he said, so you will conduct my funeral? And I said, yes, I will. And we talked about that. And then he looked at me and he said, uh, I want to thank you for getting me ready for this. Then he leaned forward and he said, I am ready for this, right? <laughs> I said, yes, Frank. You're absolutely ready for this, you know. Everything has been paid for. You are very good to go. And that was, you know, one of the most blessed things, you know, pastors ever hear, except I did have to remind him that Jesus Christ is the one who got him ready for this. And, you know, I was just the guy that delivered the news. But, uh, you know, we talked about that and we prayed and I went home. And I did not expect the call I got that night that Frank Gorski got his rest. 
which came as a surprise to me, at least to some extent, uh, but also uh, a source of thanksgiving that by the grace of Jesus, through the blood of the Lamb, he was good to go and he was ready. And so if you find yourself you know, needing to just spend a little time getting your act uh, together with some really good uh, financial advice and time management from the source of all wisdom, then uh, you might consider the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12. And if you really want to know, you know, the joy of ordering your values and your commitments and your priorities around your relationship with him as a response to his grace, this is not a fundraising pitch. Just take the words of Jesus to heart and know that the Son of Man who came, who comes to you, who will come again, has given everything he has because his treasure at the bottom of his eternal and loving heart is you. And he gave everything so that God's time with you would go on forever. And that's worth more than all the money in the world. God bless you and give you a great week in the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.